All right. Well, Saints God, thank you once again for joining tonight. Um, we, we are going through the book of Esther and the book of Revelation. And the teaching tonight, I've entitled, I've entitled it The Scroll of the Secret. And the reason why I call it secret is because the book of Esther and the book of Revelation are so filled with mysteries. These two books are really one of the uh, two of the most intriguing books that I found in the entire Bible. I have struggled and struggled and struggled through Revelation. And, and I and I was at over the last several months, I was asked, asking the Lord, how can I teach this book? I so want to understand this book, but this book is it, it's, it's like, Lord, why would you put a book in the Bible that you don't want us to understand? And I <laughs> and I and amen. And, I, and I've learned that's not the case. He wants us to know the secrets and there's no good thing that the Lord will, will withhold from those that walk uprightly. And the Lord desires us to seek the matters out. He desires for us to seek the deep truths of the Bible out. And nothing in the Bible is there by happenstance. Everything is there by divine providence. So all, the entire Bible from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Revelation 22-21, the entire Bible is there to profit all. Amen. So everything that you need for destiny, everything you need for purpose, everything that you I'm need go into for the other every room. single aspect of your life. Is, is is in God's word. So I just want Not all really. of you to know. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask uh, all, if you don't mind, I know this is our first time doing this, but if you don't mind, if you're not uh, just, you know, just if there's any background noise, uh, please mute yourselves. All right. So I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm going to, uh, Sister Jasmine, if you don't mind, I'll just make you a co-host. If you wouldn't mind just uh, just muting folks as they're. Um... Okay. Actually, actually, I don't know how to make you a co-host. All right, that's all right. I'll I'll try to I'll try to multitask here. So, 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 and no, no worries. I, I know we're gonna. Um, if you can, just just remember to mute yourselves when you're not talking. So, tonight's teaching is entitled "Scroll of the Secret," and the top. And tonight, I I my prayer is that we are gonna uncover secrets in the Book of Revelation and the Book of Esther. And, and God will not do anything without revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets, first, as we learn about in Amos. And tonight, I just want you to know that you are the end time church. We are living in the very last of days. Jesus is returning at any time. And I, and I believe all the signs are in place. All the nations are in place. Israel has already been restored as a nation uh, since 1948. So I, all the signs, in my opinion, are in place for the second coming of Christ. And when Jesus returns, he's coming back for, for a blood-washed bride. The Holy Spirit has been preparing his bride for the last 2,000 years. And I truly believe that he's not going to come back to a bride that's stained with sin. But he's coming back to a bride that, that has been washed and purified in his own blood. And often, so many Christians, especially new believers, only approach God when they need something from him. But today, I'm going to ask you to do the very opposite. I'm asking all of you tonight, according to Romans 12:1, is to offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice. So you are not your own. You belong to him. And I truly pray tonight that that is your prayer as well. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to have your way and just wash us. Just wash us in the precious blood of Jesus. And tonight, I'm just, again, I just appreciate every one of you. I know so many of you and several, many of you I'm seeing for the very first time. And I pray the spirit of God is going to connect us all together tonight. And I so appreciate you being with us tonight. I pray that God's word will take root in your lives. And I pray that you will receive a prophetic impartation from heaven tonight. And again, the Holy Spirit is in control. 
I'm excited to be here with you. And I'm just a vessel. I'm just here to serve. And um, if you get anything out of this tonight, it won't be from me, but it, it will be through the direct ministry of the Holy Spirit on the line tonight. And I want to begin by talking about the signs. And the first sign I want to talk about, and, and over the next few sessions, as long as the Spirit of God keeps us in Esther and Revelation, is I want to talk to you about various signs. But the first sign I want to talk to you about, the signs that we have in the heavens, the signs that we have in the earth, they are all signs for a call to our repentance. Whether it's the blood moons that we've been seeing over the last several years, all this, the earthquakes that have been taking place, the wars that have been taking place, the rumors of walls, wars, the famines that are taking place, the, 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 the economic pandemics in the world, even the COVID-19 <clears throat> pandemic. I want you to see all these as a, a, I'm not saying that God brought any of these upon us, but what I am saying is that God is calling all of us to repentance. And the word repentance in Hebrew is the word teshuva. And if you know, I'll say that with me, the word teshuva. Excellent. Excellent. And I'll ask a Professor Dr. Stephanie, if you wouldn't mind, feel free to type the spelling, the spellings of these words so that everyone knows them. So the word teshuva in Hebrew, it, it, I mean, it, the Hebrew word teshuva in English is the word repentance. Now, when we think about repentance, we often think about repentance as turning away from sin. And sometimes preachers will say, turn around 360 degrees. But really, if you turn around 360 degrees, you're in the same spot you were in before. So I like to say we're going to turn around 180 degrees. We turn away from whatever we were doing and we, do the, we, we go in the opposite direction. So, of course, repentance, it means to turn away from sin. It means that we repent of our sins. But it also means that if we're on the wrong path, if we are not walking in God's chosen path for us, then we turn away from that and, and go towards what God is telling us. You know, I think about all my years in my career and my professional life is I often want to, I often seek things that I want, but the Lord is leading my career in a different direction. And the way the Lord has worked, worked in my life that he's enabled me and positioned me to where I can serve in ministry and have my secular work. And, and the two have never been in conflict as long as I'm in God's will. And I want you to know that God wants to lead you into all truth. For those of you that are single and, and are trusting God to bring you your spouse, is I encourage all of you to seek God's will first and seek God in his word for the spouse that he has called and ordained for you. For example, I met my wife, Bhavna, on, on, a, on a trip I had to India, not knowing that God was going to orchestrate events to bring me to, to, to meet my wife, Bhavna. And when I was questioning, oh, Lord, is she the one or not? The Holy Spirit confirmed it through his word to show me that Bhavna was to be the one that I was to marry. And I encourage all of you to seek God. And, you know, even though I'm surrounded by electronics and all of us are surrounded by uh, smart devices, I encourage you, don't forsake your paper Bibles. The Bible, the Bible cannot be replaced by anybody's books. They can't be replaced by any devotional. You, word, God's word should be the primary form of devotion in our lives. And I encourage you to put God's word first because God speaks to us through his word. I can give you exhortations. I can give you opinions. I can exhort you through 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 books that you know that I write that and some of you some of you write as well. But that is not that is not what feeds me. What feeds me is God's written word. Amen. 
And so this, the signs that we have in the year of today is a sign and a call to repentance. And God is calling all of us to return to him. He's calling us to turn away from sin. He's calling us to turn away from, from our slumber. He's calling us to arise. And he's calling us to arise to our highest calling in Christ Jesus. You know, over the, over the last couple of years, as the COVID-19 pandemic hit us, and mm-hmm. you, all right, I'm going to ask. Yeah, we have one. Um, there was one in the neighborhood um, over the over the summer. Yeah, a little right, four I'm just looking for the for the noise. All right, that's fine. So. The, the, the call is the God, God's calling us to repentance. He's calling us to return to him. And today, as we go through the, the book of Revelation and through Esther, we're, we're going to see the book of Revelation through the eyes of Esther. And the book of Esther is a book of end times. And Esther represents the end time body of Christ, the bride that's been purified during these last two years with COVID-19. What has happened to the body of Christ is the body of Christ has become very lax, has become very relaxed. And, 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 and many in the body have been so given to fear, especially being consumed in social media, being consumed in the news, to, that it, it's like, this, it seems like there's a glaze on, on it in, in the eyes of so many people. And really, God wants us to turn away from that. He wants us to wake up and return to him. Because I'm telling you, God, God, is, God is working in his church. God is calling his body to return to him wholeheartedly and something i'm going to teach you all tonight and, and this con- stuff i'm going to teach a lot of what i'm teaching you I've, I've been under dr michelle corral's ministry for many many years over i think over 20 over 20 something years and so uh, uh, you know pretty much all my, all my foundation has has come through her and um tonight i'm going to teach you a concept that, she, that she's taught me and it's a concept known as human biblical hermeneutics can you all say that with me biblical hermeneutics Biblical hermeneutic. Biblical Excellent, and that—that's a word that scares away many people. But I just want to—I want to give you a very simple definition. That's often what I do. It's like, and hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the science of interpreting scripture. And before I define it any further, I want you to think about a carpenter, and or, or a, a person that works with wood. I mean. What does a carpenter use to build a, a, a table or, or any piece of furniture? They, they use tools, don't they? they? They may use a saw, they, may, they have sanding paper, they'll use a clamps, they'll use glue, um, varnish, paint. There's all types of different material th- that the carpenter will use to, to, create, uh, you know, to create a piece of furniture. And each tool has a different purpose. Well, in God's word, the equivalent is the concept known as hermeneutics, and that's the science of interpreting scripture. So we don't just interpret scripture any way that we want to interpret scripture. We also have tools that we use to interpret God's word. So I don't just read a script, uh, you know, I don't read a scripture and just make up my own interpretation. There are certain rules, biblical, I use biblical hermeneutics to interpret the word that I'm reading. So for example, the two, the two tools I'm going to teach you are uh, very simple tools. They're known as contextuality and intertextuality. You can say that with me, contextuality and intertextuality. That's and I'm going to make it very... Contextuality and intertextuality. 
Excellent. And just to simplify that a little bit more, uh, contextuality means the interpretation of the verse that I am reading is found in the, in the previous verse. Mm -hmm. And intertextuality means that I'm using other books of the Bible to interpret the text that I'm currently reading. So for example, if you read Esther chapter one, verse one, and, and in, in verse one, it reads, and I'm just going to read it, say this from memory. It says the king ruled over 127 provinces. And when you read that, you, you would think, you know, without using any form of biblical hermeneutics, you'll just be made, uh, blown away by, okay, this, this king was very powerful and he ruled over 127 provinces. And if that's all you get out of the text, then you're reading the text like you're reading some Disney story. For example, once upon a time, there was a, there was a prince or there was a princess. It reads like a Disney fairy tale and you're not getting anything out of the biblical text. The Bible is prophetic. It speaks to us. It speaks to everyone in every aspect of life and it speaks to everyone from every single generation. So, so the Holy Spirit will speak to you through his word. So when you read, when you read Esther chapter one, verse one, the question you may, you may want to ask is, Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me out of this verse? And what does the 127 mean? Well, if you go back in the Torah, Torah meaning instruction, referring to the, to the first five books of the Bible, the first time we see 127 mentioned in the Bible is at the death of Sarah. And that scripture says, the, and, the, and the lifespan of Sarah was 120 and seven years. So we see a 127 in, in Genesis, and we see a 127 in Esther chapter one, verse one. And what the, and what, and, and what the, the prophetic message here, and what I use here is a concept known as intertextuality, because I use another scripture in another book of the Bible to interpret the verse that I'm reading in Esther chapter one, verse one. And, and what we learn here is Sarah's life is 127, and the book in Esther chapter one, one speaks about a 127, and that 127 is found in the book of Esther, and it teaches us there is a relationship between Esther and Sarah. Do you all see that? And, and then you start asking yourself questions. Well, what are the similarities between Esther and Sarah? When, and if you read their lives, what you'll notice is that both women were captured against their will. Abram's wife, Sarai, was captured by the king of Egypt. She was captured by Pharaoh. In the book of Esther, Esther was captured as a young woman and, and brought into the king's palace against her will. That's the first similarity. The second similarity is that they were both queens. Uh, you can see Sarah as the queen of the Jewish people. And you can see Esther as the queen of the Persian Empire. Not only, not only as the queen of the Persian Empire, but you can see her as a queen over the Jewish people because she was a royal descendant of King Saul. The third similarity that, that I want you to see is, is that both, of the, both Sarah and Esther were prophetesses. And if you were to dig into rabbinic commentaries, what you would learn is there were seven prophetesses in the Hebrew scriptures, Hebrew scriptures meaning Genesis through Malachi. Sarah was the first prophetess and, and Esther was a seventh prophetess. And in the weeks to come, I'm going to show you how prophetic Esther became. She actually prophesied the hanging of 10 Nazi leaders in the Nuremberg trials. And I'm going to prove this to you through using rabbinic commentary and a concept known as gematria. And, 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 and 
to where you'll be able to look, you will be able to look at God's word and not deny that divine providence is in control, that God is in, in control. And I'm, and I'm going to make it plain to you in Zoom. I can do it very easily because I can share my screen and, and show you exactly in the book of Esther how Esther prophesied the hanging of 10 Nazi leaders in the Nuremberg trials. I mean, how many of you could ever imagine, and I, I'd say most of us were probably born in the 20th century, how many of you could ever imagine capital punishment through hanging in the 20th century? I couldn't. It, it's, it's impossible. I mean, it's something that we can never imagine. But that's exactly what happened in the Nuremberg trials. 10 Nazi criminals were tried for crimes against humanity and their, and their death penalty was performed through the act of hanging. Exactly the way Esther prophesied and exactly the, the way Esther asked God to do it. And I want you to know that as, as we're studying God's word tonight, you are going to become so prophetic. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you in, in, as you're going about your days. He's going to speak to you in your dreams. I mean, the open visions are going to increase in the lives of believers. And I really want you to be open to this because the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be just part of our lives for one hour or two hours on Sunday or during an hour or two during Bible study. He really, he's, he's going to be, he's going to start speaking to you in ways you never imagined. The, the anointing is going to, is coming upon you even now to receive that level of prophecy. He's going to speak to you. He's going to, he's going to, he, even as you're reading the scriptures, you're going to ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, explain this to me. I don't understand this word. And you're not going to need to go to anyone else. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and make things clear to you. Amen. So I just want all of you to be open to that and know that he is at work. And he, he has a plan for your lives. I mean, so many of you have been so tested. You've been, through, you've been through fire. You've been tested in your finances. You've been tested in your health. You've been tested in so many different ways. Uh, in, in marriages and what and, and 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 different things, but I want you to know that that God through it all allow God to work His high calling in you, because because He He's strengthening you, He's equipping you, and and He's raising up end time Esthers and Mordecais in the church, and and I'm telling you, the church is going to be so strong, the church is going to be so ready, and I'm telling you, you are going to be steadfast, unmovable in all the things of God. And, and when the when the when the hour of temptation comes upon us, we will not deny the faith. We, we will remain faithful until the very end. And when we look at our brothers and sisters and sisters in Egypt and other nations in the Middle East that have been martyred by ISIS, and they have remained faithful till the very end. And many of these Christians were baby Christians, but they they chose not to deny the name of Jesus, and they were willing to lay their lives down to the very end because of their because they love Jesus so much. And tonight, I just encourage all of you just to be, fall so in love with, fall you. so much in Thank love you. with Jesus. Okay. Amen. Fall so much in, yeah, in love with Jesus. Right Allow Jesus <laughs> to do what He wants to do oh, with you. All righty. Amen. Amen. God's word will not re return void. Jesus prophesied in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not one dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And I'm going to, and, and one thing that we, I want to take what, what, what um, Jesus said and, and give you the rabbinic, the Hebrew interpretation of what he said, because 
the book of Matthew was translated into Greek and translated into English. And what happens is the Greek, con often the Greek concepts are translated into English, but we lose the Hebrew, the Hebraisms in, in what Jesus is saying. So when, so what we read here in the RSV translation, Jesus says, not one iota, not one dot. But if you read this in Hebrew, it's saying not one jot, not one tittle. And it's speaking about the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the Yud, and also the, the smallest punctuation mark in Hebrew, which is the dot. And, and these will not pass away until, until from the law. And the word law should be the word Torah, which means the entire Bible. Nothing will pass away until all is accomplished. And I want you to know that the spirit of God is at work in, in each and every one of you. And God, God will fulfill every promise that he's made to you. He will accomplish every plan that he has for you. And we see the working of the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, when we read this scripture, and Moses is the author of the first five books of the Bible, when Moses wrote this, he wrote this in parable form, especially the, the story of creation. And so what we see here, the earth was without form and void. And in verse, in verse one, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. What I want you to see here is this is not only speaking about the creation of the physical heavens and the physical earth. The word heavens represents the entire spiritual realm. And the word earth represents all of the physical creation. So you can look at heavens, which is where God resides. You and the earth represents all of physical creation. So that's one interpretation. Let me take you a little bit deeper. The heavens, the, the creation of the heavens and the earth represent your creation. And as we see the spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters, the spirit of God is moving upon you. Amen. So the spirit of the spirit of God, as we see in Genesis one, two, the, the spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The waters represent the word and wherever the wherever the word is being presented, wherever the word is spoken, that is where the spirit of God is moving. That is why I have confidence that the spirit of God is moving here on this Zoom conference call tonight because he is present. He is moving here because his word is present. The word represents the waters. And then the Holy Spirit is moving upon the face of our waters. And how, does our, how do our lives begin? We are like the earth. We, we, we start off with, without form and void. We start mm -hmm. off without direction. And when we ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing with me? I don't understand these trials. I don't understand these testings. I don't understand what I'm going through. Those represent dark periods in our lives. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of that darkness, as we are in his word, the spirit of God is going to move upon the face of our waters and he's going to bring us clarity. And as the word and as the word is being delivered, God is going to say, let there be light. And that light is not the physical light. That light is the light of spiritual illumination. And that light represents Jesus, because as we see in Genesis one and as we see in John chapter one, you know, uh, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the light. And, and he's, bringing you, he's bringing you clarity. How many of you want clarity in your lives? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All of Amen. us do. And I see Sister Margaret with both hands up. All of Amen. us want clarity in our lives. So allow him to bring you clarity. You know, so many of us spend years and years and years studying for various professions. 
you know, uh, whatever field you're in, whatever you study, you spend years preparing for that. And, and, you, and you maintain yourself in that career by continu continuous learning. But, and, and when you buy a car, the, book, the car will come, in, will come with the owner's manual. But you know what? Our lives come with owner's manuals yes. too. Very few of us open the, open the owner's manual to find out how to operate ourselves. And in, in, in my book, The Final Countdown, I talk a lot, of, uh, you know, I have a, I think a whole chapter to talk about that. But I encourage you all, don't neglect your time in God's word. Don't ne neglect your time in, in, in prayer. I mean, th these are the pillars of your lives. You need God's word. You need God's direction. And, I, and I, don't care how, I don't care how far God promotes you. Do not forsake God's word because that is your lifeline. That, that's going to keep you grounded. That's going to keep you hum humble. And, 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 and I don't know where God's going to take you, but I know God has great things in store for each and every one of you. And I just encourage every one of you be to, to be open to the moving of God in your life. Amen. Let be open to his direction. Be open because he, he will speak to you. He will give you direction. So the heavens represent your spiritual creation. The earth represents your physical creation. And one thing about this, the species known as mankind, male and female, our creation is both physical and spiritual. So that there, 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 are two, there are two elements to our nature. And so, you know, so, so all of us in our lives, we struggle with sin. We, 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 you know, we, we have struggles. But God wants us to crucify our sinful nature. And, and, and really just return to him wholeheartedly. I mean, not one of us has a life free of struggles. We all go through financial challenges. We go through emotional challenges. Uh, some of us have physical decisions. Some of us have emotional things. I mean, every one of us has different things to overcome. And, and God is not expecting any of us to be perfect. God just expects us to come to him as we are and, and allow him to work in us. Amen. So this word is not a word of condemnation. And at the same time, this is not a word that condones sin. But this is a word that God, that the spirit of God is moving in us and allow the spirit of God to do what he wants to do. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is, is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Well, guess what? Tonight, you're going to receive teaching that is profitable to your lives. You are going to receive reproof. You are going to receive correction and i know many of us don't like that word correction or the hebrew word tohaha for rebuke but you know but we all need it for our training in righteousness mm -hmm. amen and i'm spending a lot of time in the introduction because you need this to really understand the depths and the prophetic messages that are in esther and in the book of revelation so the next concept i want to teach you is the concept known as the kingdom can you all say that with me the kingdom the kingdom. the kingdom. Excellent. And I'm going to give you a few scriptures it, it, before I explain to you the concept of the kingdom of God. In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, and we're going, to, we're going to use this scripture many times over the next several weeks. It says, for if you keep silence at this, if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's house will perish as who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Remember, you see the word kingdom here? And Mordecai is rebuking Esther because she, she is in a place of compromise. 
and she doesn't want to move forward and do what God is calling her to do. Mordecai has given her a proof, proof. Mordecai has given her a correction and Mordecai has given her instruction so that she can operate in the kingdom of God. And she has been brought into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Well, every one of you on this line tonight have been brought on this line, have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. The kingdom of God is not future. It doesn't take place after you die and go to heaven. The kingdom of God is now. It's in the present tense. Now, if you look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, this should give you more clarity when you pray the Lord's Prayer. And I encourage every one of you to incorporate the Lord's Prayer into your lives every day. And it reads, pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you notice how when Jesus prays, he says, our Father who art in heaven, he's acknowledging uh, God as his heavenly Father. And then he says, hallowed be thy name. And then he says, thy kingdom come. Can you all say that with me? Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Amen. And what, and what Jesus is instructing his disciples to do is to pray that God's kingdom be established on the earth. And then let me go to, let's go to Revelation chapter one, verses five and six. And it reads, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom uh, and has made us a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see the word kingdom being used. It's the same word in Hebrew is the word Malkut. So God's kingdom is being established here on the earth and the kingdom of God as I'm emphasizing is not future, but it's present. It's right here, right now. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God are the very same term. And in Hebrew, it reads Malkut Shemayim. I'm going to ask you just to practice saying that Malkut Shemayim. It means kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. And this term only appears in rabbinic literature. It's something that it's, it's, it's a term that came about during the second temple period. And Jesus and Jesus, when he taught, taught right in line with the rabbinic authority of, the, of that time. And Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. And many of Jesus' parables dealt with the kingdom of God. But the mistake that many of us made, and I, and I, I can only speak from the concept for, for the Americans, often what we do is we take God's word and, and, and we interpret it through the lens of our Western culture. And we don't go back to the Eastern culture of the Middle East to understand what, what the what what the authors intended when they when they when they taught certain concepts so i encourage all of you and don't just take my word for it but go back and look at rabbinic sources look at the sources from the second temple period and and study the concepts of the kingdom of god and what you'll find out is that what jesus was teaching was right in line with the rabbinic authority of that time and when jesus was rebuking the pharisees he wasn't rebuking all the pharisees he was only in, he was only re rebuking a certain sect of the Pharisees, and I don't want to. I don't want to go off on a tangent tonight and talk about the various sects of Judaism's in the first century. But I do want you to know that Jesus was very well respected by the rabbinic authority in in his life. If you if he were not respected, he would not be questioned, because the leaders would not bother questioning someone they did not have respect for. 
and they respected Jesus' authority. And many of the uh, many of the leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, uh, were were really troubled by, by Jesus' ministry. But when they when they came to him with questions, it it meant that they really respected his opinion and respected his position as a rabbi. They really they may not have they may not have accepted him as the son of God but they did accept the authority in which he spoke and and even with the miracles that he performed and Jesus truly operated in Malkut Shemayim he operated in the kingdom of heaven and G- and what 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 it means that when the kingdom of God is in operation and when we when we pray the prayer our our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come is that 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 prayer says is Lord God, I am accepting your rule in my life. That means I am not going to live my life the way I want to live my life, but I am submitting to your will. I am submitting to you and I accept your authority in my life. And that was the call upon Esther when Mordecai rebuked her is that you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. And Jesus, even in the garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed to the father, he says, Father, if it be your will, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but thine be done. Jesus accepted the rule of the Father in his life as well. Even though Jesus was fully God and fully man, he operated and and resisted temptation as man, and he completely submitted to the will of his heavenly Father. Amen? And so the kingdom of God applies in our lives as well. And again, we are submitting to God's will here right now. See, many many believers live their lives to do whatever they they live they live their lives to do whatever they want to do, and they think they can sin and do whatever they want and live the most horrible lives that they want because they know they can come to Jesus and say, "Lord, forgive me of my sins," and that's not that is not a practice that any of us should 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 abide by. We should really seek to lead, lead lives that really represent Christ, and that Christ that 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 when people see us, they see Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't compromise in our character. We don't compromise in our love. That, that's one reason why um, that, that we, sow in, we do works of hesed. We sow into the lives of the poor because that's what we're called to do. We, we are called to take care of those that are without. You know, God has blessed us. So we should take what God has given us and take care of those that are in need. And that's why we take care. Uh, that's why we take care of so many orphans around the world. You know, uh, uh, under Dr. Carell's ministry, we're, we're taking care of orphans in, in, in Egypt, in India, in, in a sewing school in Pakistan. There's so many works that we're a part of because we are called to perform acts of loving kindness. And that's one way that we establish God's rule in our lives. Yes, we want Christ to rule. And the Jews were expecting a Messiah that would come, that would, that would overthrow the Roman Empire and establish Messianic rule on the earth. Yes, and that is going to take place. And when we see that in Revelation and in Daniel, that, that that day is going to come. But before that day takes place, we need to establish God's rule in our lives first. And that we must, when we, when we pray, thy will be done, we are establishing his reign in our lives. And we submit to his will. And as Paul teaches in Romans 12, 1, we offer our bodies to him as mm-hmm. a living sacrifice. Yeah. And I encourage all of you tonight, and Holy Spirit, I just pray that this anointing will come upon your saints yes, tonight, you. that you give us the grace to submit to your will and to submit to your word, and that we really learn how to obey and abide by your commandments. You know, one of the rabbis who's known as Rabbi Yehoshua ben Korha says, he says, why is here, O Israel, 
recited before if then you obey the commandments in your in our daily prayers and the reason is it, it indicates that one should accept first the kingdom of heaven and only afterward the yoke of his commandments and in james two seventeen, it reads so faith by itself if it has no works is dead and that really means that your faith is connected to your works you know, you can't really call yourself a, a believer and, and converted and, and say that you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and really had a true conversion if there's no outward, any outward manifestation. Amen. And the outward manifestation is that you will accept his commandments and you will walk and you, you will do what he's calling you to do and you will keep his commandments. Amen. And so what we do is that we accept his rule in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's what Esther had to learn. That's what Saul, King Saul failed to learn. But we, our prayer tonight is thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. And so we come into the kingdom when we accept God's authority and begin to do his will. And this is a movement that, that Jesus was encouraging all believers to do. And what happens when you walk in God's rule, when you walk in God's authority? Well, guess what? Then you're going to see the op open manifestation of miracles. Luke eleven twenty. But if, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. See, when you come under his rule, you come under the father's rule, and you accept his yoke, and you accept his word, and you accept his commandments, and you agree to abide by them. Then you abide in his kingdom, and you are going to see miracles take place in your ministries as well. The same miracles that took place 2,000 years ago should be taking place here on the earth right now in the 21st century, right now in 2022. You know, even tonight, I believe that God is moving on the line here tonight. I believe healings are taking place. I believe deliverances are taking place. I believe demonic possessions are breaking right now in the name of Jesus. I believe God is healing those on the line tonight that are, surface, that are suffering with, with forms of infirmity. And for those of you that don't have clarity in your lives, I believe God, I know that God is going to bring you clarity during this line tonight. I may be giving you one message. I may be giving you one instruction, but the Holy Spirit at the same time is giving you instruction that is personal, prophetic, and relevant to the very circumstance that you are in right now. For those of you in ministry, you may feel like you're in a place that you're stuck and you don't know what God is doing. And you may wonder, is, is everything that I've done so far for not? And the answer is no. Sometimes we come to those dark places in our lives because God wants us to go into intercession and seek him a little bit more and go a little bit deeper. Amen. Sometimes it's a call to fasting. Sometimes it's a call to just shut the world out and just be with him. And, and what's going to take place is you are going to see the outward manifestation of God's glory in your life. Acts 10.38 really summarizes it very well. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Amen. See, he... And all the apostles operated in the kingdom of heaven. And all of you are called to operate in the kingdom of heaven. And God's word will be followed with signs and wonders. And, and, and 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Amen. And the next concept, uh, we talked about the kingdom. Now I want to talk to you about the temple. Can you all say temple? Temple. Excellent. And you can't, 
without understanding the concept of temple, you can't even begin to study the book of Esther and the book of Revelation. You're gonna, you're gonna completely miss out on the themes of both books if you don't understand the concept of temple. And temple, I'm gonna give you King David's reference to temple and palace. In First Chronicles chapter 29, verse one and verse 19, and, and here's David speaking. And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. Grant to Solomon, my son, that with a whole heart he may keep my commandments, thy testimonies, thy statutes, performing all, all that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. So when he says palace, it's not the palace that the king lives in, the earthly king. The palace is in reference to God's temple. Amen. So I want all of you to be open to that concept that we are, as we see in 1 Corinthians 3.16, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit today. Our bodies are the palace of the Holy Spirit. So we should, so we should keep our temples clean. We should not allow impure thoughts to enter our minds. And when they do, we should quickly expel them. We should not allow pure, impure uh, things to come through our ears and our eyes. And, and in this day, we are so filled with garbage from every single direction. I have never seen so much garbage in my entire life from television, from radio, from social media, from everything. And we must learn how to shut that stuff, you know, shut the things out that are not holy. Because your, your body is the palace and the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know Monday is Valentine's Day, and I, I, I want to, I'm going to share, I'm going to talk about this because it will, it will really help me explain to you what's taking place in the book of Esther. And so I taught you that the temple refers to God's house. And for the last 2,000 years, we have not had a physical temple in Jerusalem, so the Jews have not been able to sacrifice. But what we do have is we have God's word, and, and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, so these, these are our, this is our temple. Now, I, I want you to think about a time when there was, I want you to think about Valentine's Day. And for those of, for those of you who are married, can you, just, can you just wave at me? And I just, I just want you to think about this for a second. And, and, I, and, I'm gonna, and actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of direct this to the women here. And so imagine Valentine, Valentine's Day comes, and, the, and if you do celebrate Valentine's Day, and your husband fails to even, even give you a Valentine's gift, just doesn't, doesn't do anything for you that show, shows his appreciation for you, especially on Valentine's Day. No flowers, no chocolates, nothing. And, 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 and you're, you're expecting that. And, and it's like your husband has completely forgotten about Valentine's Day. And you don't say a word. I mean, you're burning up inside. You're angry. You're really upset. You're not saying anything. And, you're, and you're, all these thoughts are going through your head. Like, my, I mean, my husband didn't, did not even think enough about me to even remember me on Valentine's Day. And, and just imagine how upset you are. And you probably didn't sleep much the, the, the entire night. And the next day, you're giving your husband the cold shoulder. And if you've done that before, please say amen. So, and so the entire next day, and your husband's like wondering, what, what is wrong with you? I mean, why are you upset at me? And, and, and throughout the day, you're giving him hints, but he's not getting it. And so throughout the conversation, throughout the day, you'll throw out words like flowers, heart, and, and a restaurant. You'll throw out all these different words and, that don't make any sense. And, not, and, and, and these words are not even sent, said in context. But your husband does pick up enough that you're upset, but, doesn't, but never really gets it. Okay, are, are you all with me so far? 
All right, now now let's go to I, I can I can see um, Sister Margaret here. I know you know exactly where I'm going here. Now let's go to Esther chapter one. And actually, before we go to Esther chapter one, let's just go go to Jeremiah twenty nine verse ten. I want you to think. I want you to see Jeremiah twenty nine verse ten as Valentine's Day, and it reads like this: For thus says the Lord, when seventy years are completed for Babylon. I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So the prophecy given through Jeremiah is that after 70 years of exile in Babylon, you will be given the opportunity to return back to Jerusalem to rebuild the holy city and rebuild the temple. Do you all see that? So this is Valentine's Day for the Jewish people, 70 years complete. But now look at what takes place in Esther chapter 1, verses 2 and 5. And remember the word palace is in reference to the temple. And Mordecai is writing these words. So in verse 2, it says that in those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan the palace. Remember when I said on Valentine's Day, the day after Valentine's Day, you take words out of context to make a point? That is what Mordecai is doing here. Shushan is not a palace. Shushan is a city. And so when Mordecai is writing this, he says, the king, the king called, the king sat on his throne in Shushan, the palace, verse five. And when those days were expired, and what days were expired? It was Jeremiah's prophecy to return to rebuild the temple after 70 years. Those that were the years that had expired. The king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace. And what I want you to see here is Mordecai, Mordecai is giving a subliminal message to the, to the Jewish leaders. And he's, he's giving them a very harsh rebuke. And what he's telling the Jewish leaders is that you have chosen to partake of a, a wicked king's festivities a drunk, a, a, basically a king that was an a, a king that was an alcoholic, that was never found ruling without being drunk. I mean, and it was so extremely wicked, and and the and the Jewish leaders chose to partake of the drunken king's feast rather than obey the king of heaven and return back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. So, just to give you some a, a frame of reference, it's it's as if the Jews missed their Valentine's Day. And, and God is angry and God is rebuking the Jewish people that they, they chose to partake of an earthly king's festivities rather than return back to Jerusalem and partake of the heavenly king's fest festivals. Does that make sense? And then as you read Esther chapter two, I mean, you, you can see the word repeated over and over again. Verse three, Shushan, the palace. Verse five, Shushan, the palace. Verse 8, Shushan, the palace. Do you really need to mention uh, over six times in two chapters the same phrase, the palace? The answer is no, but Mordecai is doing this to really accentuate the rebuke and, and, and the gravity of the sins of the Jewish people. And so in our lives as well, are there areas in our lives that we've missed it? For example, has God called you to do something that you, that you have been avoiding? And, 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 and have the days expired from the call that God has given you? And there's something God's put on your heart. Maybe God has called you to, to establish a mission work. 
Maybe God has called you to establish a work in your local city, in your town, in your country, or on, on the mission field in a foreign country. Is there something that God has called, put upon your heart and God has called you to do it for quite some time and you're resisting the call? Well, the call is to return back to your Valentine's Day and return back to your Heavenly Father and go and do what God has called you to do. Because sometimes we may stop hearing God's voice because we're, we're, we're being disobedient. So, and sometimes we stop hearing God's voice because we're stuck in the current place and not moving to what God is calling us to do. So I pray that this word tonight is, is, is prophetic and giving you some direction because allow him to speak to you. Some, you know, th there are some trials that are ordained by him. There are some tests that we go through that are necessary for our refinement, for the high calling of God that we have in Christ Jesus. But then there are other tests that we go through because of our own foolishness. And so we can't, we, you know, we can't blame God for everything. And often we do. You know, sometimes it's, it's our own flaws that cause certain calamities. But, but you know what? Through it all, the call is to repentance, that we turn around 180 degrees and we return to him and do what he's called us to do. It, sometimes falling short of God's glory is not sinning, but sometimes it's just not doing what he has called us to do. And Esther had to learn that, and we have to learn that, and the church in Revelation has to learn that as well. And, and, look, look, and God will use rebukes in our lives as well. Look at Esther in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation 2, 18 and 20. And the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and beguiling my servants to practice immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. We see, we see rebuke by Jesus in Revelation. And in Esther, we see Mordecai rebuking Esther. Mm -hmm. And we also see temple language in Esther. You know, when you look at, you know, I, you know, we keep seeing Shushan the palace, Shushan the palace, Mordecai's rebuking the Jews, return back to Jerusalem and rebuild my palace. Don't, don't, don't lust within the palace in Persia, but return to God and return to the palace in Jerusalem. And when you look at Esther chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, the rebuke from Mordecai is not just by using the word the palace over and over again. In verse 6, he says, there were, cur there were white cotton curtains and blue hangings caught up with cords of fine linen and purple and silver rings. You read all this and you go, oh, wow, what an what a incredible palace we have here. But what Mordecai is doing, he's rebuking the Jews because when he mentions the colors and the curtains, he's actually describing Solomon's temple in its glory in mm. Jerusalem. You all see that? <coughs> and then we see temple language in Revelation. I apologize, I'm losing my voice a bit here. Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And, and here's John. He says, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. Notice that he says he turned to see the voice. He doesn't say that he turned to hear the voice. This is written with intentionality. It's not, it's not a mistranslation. It's the proper translation. He turned mm. to see the voice. And when John turned, he, he saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the son of man. Clothed with a long robe with long girdle around his breast. What we see here is temple language. Folks, I'm gonna actually hold just for one moment, please. 
So we see, we, we see temple language being used here. And just as Aaron, the high priest, stood in the temple in the, in the tabernacle in the wilderness and performed the role of high priest, we see Christ Jesus, our high priest, performing high priestly service in the temple that is in heaven. You all see that? And so we, we see a lampstand. We see lampstands in Moses' tabernacle. We see the lampstand in Solomon's temple as well. And, 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 and the lampstands, it should be translated as the word menorah. And the menorah is a lampstand that has seven sticks. Three sticks on the left, three sticks on the right, and in the middle is a, is a, is a, is a large lamp that we call a shamash. And what we see here is that Jesus is standing in the middle, and he is like that center lamp of the menorah. He is that shamash lamp. And what we see here, we're seeing temple language in, in the book of Revelation. And in Esther, we see very much the same. We see temple language as well. And so that's, that's one concept I want to see. We, we've talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We, we, we've talked about the temple. And we, we talked about the, the, the rebuke. Now I want to talk to you about the concept known as being written out of history. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, I've always loved sci-fi shows over the years. I've loved Back to the Future and, and many of the movies that, that refer to time travel. And, and you know, it's just one of the things that I, that I enjoy. But I, I want you to see something similar. Of course, there's, no, there's probably no such thing as time travel. But I, I, I want to talk to you about the concept of being written out of history. So let's look at Saul's disobedience. In, and because of the lack of time, I'm not going to read this entire portion to you, but I do encourage you to study this in your devotional time. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we see the Lord God sends Solomon on a mission, and, and, and he, tells, he, he tells Solomon to completely wipe out the people known as the Amalekites. And I'll talk about more about Amalekites in a future teaching. And Saul does not obey God's commandment. He actually lets King Agag live. And, and this is the second major sin he commits as king, as king over, the, over Israel. And the, Lord, and the Lord rebukes Saul through Samuel and, and says, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day. Do you all see that? He has torn the kingdom of Israel away from you today. And because of Saul's stubbornness, because of his disobedience, because of his making excuses, lack of repentance, God takes the kingdom away from him. And so you see that it's like, in a sense, he has been erased from time. Now, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 9, uh, verse 1 and 2, I want you to see something about him. It reads, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Can you all say Kish with me? Kish. And then Kish. it said, and so, so Kish was a Benjaminite, it means he was, he was of the Jewish tribe of Benjamin. He was a man of wealth, and he had a son whose name was Saul. Now, the, what I want you to see here is Kish is a very prominent man. He's one, of the, he's, one, he's one of the leaders at this time, and he has a son named Saul. His son Saul becomes the first king of Israel. Is that a, is that a big deal or a little deal? It's a, it's a huge deal, isn't it? And so, so now what I want you to see is, let's go to Esther chapter 2, verse 5. And, it, and I'll read it to you. It says, now there was a Jew in Susa, the capital, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimi, 
the son of Kish, a Benjamite. There's something really wrong in, in the genealogy mentioned here. And many of us get bored with genealogies, but now I have found genealogies to be the most exciting studies in God's word, because in the genealogy, you are going to find some of the greatest nuggets in the Bible. So remember how we just, we just read in 1 Samuel chapter 9 that Saul was the son of Kish. So in my opinion, Saul is one of the most important people in Jewish history. But in Esther chapter 2 verse 5, when Mordecai wrote this verse, he mentions Kish, but he does not mention Saul. You all see that? This is not done by accident. This is done by divine intent. And the Holy Spirit is speaking a message to us through this. Because of Saul's disobedience, it's like as if he was erased from history. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom was stripped away from him. He was no longer operating in God's kingdom because of his disobedience. And now we see Mordecai and his lineage is mentioned, but Saul is not mentioned because Saul has been written out of history. It's like he's been erased from history. It's, it's like somebody went back in time and, and erased him. And so, and I, I, I'm going to explain this concept. This may be a little bit confusing to you all, but it should make sense in just a moment. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, this is Jesus speaking to the church. And when Jesus is speaking to the seven churches, literal seven literal churches in Asia Minor in the first century, He's also speaking to all of us in, to, the, to the church today. And what Jesus is saying to the church today, remember then from what you have fallen, repent and do the works as you did at first. If not, can you all say that with me? If not, if not, if not, if not. excellent. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This is a very strong word of rebuke from Jesus to all of us. And just as Saul disobeyed God, it was as if his lampstand was removed. And that lampstand represents priestly service. It represents your high calling in Christ Jesus. And because, he, because Saul failed to do God's commandments, he, it was, it was, he was taken out of the kingdom of God. His position was taken away. Esther almost lost her position, but because Esther was so humble and she submitted to Mordecai's authority and she did what she was supposed to do, she saved the entire Jewish people from extermination. She saved, she saved the Jews of her generation from a Holocaust. And all of Jewry throughout the Persian Empire, the most powerful empire of that time, she saved, she saved the entire Jewish population from extermination because of her obedience. And Saul lost it because of his disobedience. And the call for us today is, as in the body of Christ in this generation, in the 21st century, and I truly believe this is the last, this is the last generation before the return of Christ, is that he is calling us to repentance. He is calling us to return to him. And, I, and my prayer is that none of us will lose the lampstand in our temples, that we will not lose the positions that he has given us, and that we will fulfill every single task that God has given us. Because in these last days, the spirit of Antichrist is so present. 
He's so present, and there's, there's a thick darkness over the world. One thing that shocked me, at first I thought this is only happening in America, but every country that I've studied and the people that I talked to in, in various countries, it's like, it's like the same darkness, the same plague is over the entire world. And, and COVID-19 might be the physical manifestation, but there's something much stronger than the physical virus. There's a, there's a spiritual virus, and it's that spirit of Antichrist that has permeated the world and it, it, it has caused many Christian denominations to compromise. Many in the body of Christ is compromised. And the things that we, that we would never tolerate it in the last generation, we tolerate today. And, and, and we treat everything as being okay. Mm -hmm. And the last time I checked, adultery is still sin. I mean, I mean the things that are sin are sin. And we, we need to stand for righteousness. We need to stand for truth. Amen? So I'm going to... I've gone a bit over time here. I didn't even get to the even. I did not even get to Esther. I did not even get to Revelation chapter one yet. So tonight has been all introduction. But I pray that you have received something tonight that that is very helpful in your walk with God. And I and I want you to know that you, that the call today, and if I can just leave you with one takeaway today, is is that you meditate in Revelation chapter two verse five, and as Jesus rebukes the church. Remember then from, when, from what you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. What are our first works? Our first works are to fall in love with Jesus. Do you love Jesus as much as you loved him since the days that you became a believer? Do you love Jesus as much as you did before the pandemic hit us? And I encourage you to get back to that place of making Jesus your first love. And the, the Valentine's Day we are called to is, so, is, is, is a return to our first love, that Jesus should be the love above all other loves. Revelation describes Jesus as the bridegroom, and he, and he describes the church as the bride. All of us here on the line tonight, we are the bride of Christ. Whether you're male or female, in, in our relationship with Christ, we are all the bride. And, the, and just as Mordecai prepared Esther for her calling in the kingdom, the Holy Spirit is our Mordecai, the third person of the Holy Trinity. He is the one that works in our lives to prepare us to meet the, to meet the bridegroom. So we are being washed right now with his blood, with his word. And he is doing such a work in you because he's purifying his body. And, my, and our goal during these next few weeks is to give you so much revelation. I'm not going to teach this word to you as if you've never, that you're, that I'm going to spoon feed you because I don't think anybody on this line needs spoon feeding in God's word. Cause I know the Holy spirit is our teacher. He can take that, that the youngest believer that doesn't know anything about the gospel and, mm -hmm. and he can accelerate and quicken his word to you that you are going to understand the deepest and the most profound biblical hermeneutics. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to blow you away with what he's going to reveal to you because we are living in the end of days. The days, the times are very, I mean, are very short, and he's, he's, he's equipping his saints. He's raising up prophets, prophetesses on the line here today. He's raising up ministers of the gospel, and, and, and we, we have a great work to do around the world. He's raising you up tonight. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and close in prayer here, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to look on my, uh, on my monitor here. I'm going to ask you to just type your if, – if, you, if you're comfortable sharing your prayer request publicly, and it's just among this group here, um, if you're comfortable sharing them, feel free to type them in, in the chat here. And we're, all of us here are just going to pray for you. And I'll go ahead and just lead with a prayer. And we're just going to pray for all of you tonight. 
And I just pray this word is going to take such deep root in you tonight. And we're going to have part two of this teaching in two weeks. So look for another invite from me. Um, let me just give you my email address just in case, or and, and my uh, phone number as well. So if if you don't want to miss the next invite, um, just you can you can send me an email to cmjfusion at gmail.com, which I'll type here. Or you can just uh, send me a, vo a text to my Google voice number, which is 714-922-0414. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll collect all that and I'll make sure that you're included. And let's go ahead and let's go ahead and as we close here tonight, we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to pray over every one of you tonight. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are so present here. And Jesus, I just ask you that you just minister to your saints here tonight. And, and the saints in the line that do pray in the spirit, that do pray in tongues, I encourage you in, in, to be bold and just, just to pray in the spirit at this time. And then we just lift we just lift up all the saints that are on the line here tonight in Jesus' glorious name. Lord, I just lift up uh, Sister Tissit's son, Kairos, Lord God. I, we pray for his salvation, for his deliverance, and his safety, Lord God. And Sister Tirsid, I don't know if you did this intentionally. I, I bet you did. But the name Kairos is that Greek word, is, 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 a, is, is that Greek word like Moedim. It's like the feast of the Lord. It's just such, such an incredible name. And so your son is a son of destiny. Yes. He's a son of God, of God's feast. Amen. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, for, for Kairos, for the work you're doing with him. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for all the saints that are here tonight. Lord God, I just pray that these would be such a work of your spirit here today, Lord God. Lord, I just pray for Sister Jasmine that you just take her up and just and for her boyfriend Caesar, Lord God, and that Lord in his in his discouragement, Lord God, that Lord that you just that, that Lord as he seeks you in this, Lord God, that you just bring him into a lofty place, Lord God, and just bless him exceedingly, Father God. And I, I just rebuke that spirit of discouragement right now, Lord God. And Father God, I just pray that you work things out for him in his workplace, Lord God, as he as he's seeking you, Lord God. Lord, I ask you that you will seek him out, Lord God. And I and I just pray for for salvation. I pray for I, I pray for the Yeshua's that he needs in his life. I pray that with the lowercase s and salvation, that, he, that you're gonna work things out for him in Jesus' glorious name. And Lord, I pray for uh, for Campos, Lord God, that we pray for his business, Lord God. And all of us are praying for his business. And Lord, I lift up Sister Celia Sanders here on the line tonight, Father, that you that God will open up doors so so that she can move it to SoCal and for guidance. And Lord, I just pray that you open that door up for her, Lord God, that you'll do such a work, Lord God. Just open up doors for her, Father God. And Lord, I pray, I, I pray for Sister Mariko and, and and her husband Rodell, Lord God, Brother Rodell, that you just that you'll just do a work in them, Lord God. I pray for Sister Pen. Pen I apologize. I never pronounced your name correctly, Sister Penelope. I pray for your children, their families, for Kiyoshana, Christina, Reggie, and all, all your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that you do such a work in their lives, Father God. Lord, I pray for Sister Lucy, Lord God, for a total shalom in her home and, and, and for all that pertains to her life. And Lord, I you know, lift up her daughter as well, Father God, that her, her daughter, Alex, Lord God. I just pray that you do such a move in their lives in Jesus' glorious name. Lord, I lift up my, I just lift up every saint that's here. I lift up my brother and my friend, Bill Sullivan and, uh, and Tony Sanchez, Lord God, uh, my brothers. I just pray that you do such a work in their lives. But have been my coworkers for, for many, many years, Lord God. Lord, I lift, I, I lift up. Everyone that's here on the line tonight, Mary Lou and Lord God, that you just do such work in her life. I pray for Rosie, 
for, for, for Gia and for the entire household, Lord God, that you do such a work in their lives, Father God. I pray for healing to spring forth. I pray for direction to spring forth. I just pray for angelic protection in every area of their lives. In Jesus' glorious name, that you do such a move, Lord God, such a move. And um, I'm just looking down the list here for, for others that would like special prayer tonight. Holy Spirit, just move, just move among this line tonight. Just move among your saints tonight. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord God, that you give your people prophetic dreams of hope and, and of, a, of, of, a, of a good end, Lord God. And that, Lord, as they study Revelation, that the book of Revelation will not bring them to fear, but, but will bring them into a place of hope and of an expected end. And Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for Sister Yvonne in Indonesia, Lord God. I pray for her, her daughter, and I just pray that you do a work in her, that she will not be too slow in everything, but just do a work with her in every area of her life, in schooling and in, ev in everything, Lord God, to just, just, just accelerate her. And Lord, make the anointing work in her life in every area, Lord God. I pray for Sister Heather, for her schooling, for her families, for her children, Lord God, that you, do, that you will do such a work in their lives, Lord God. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your mercy, Lord God. I pray for Angela Z. I pray for Jonathan's broken spirit that he would come to know God as his father. Amen for that. Amen. Lord God, I just thank you, Lord God. I pray for Brother, Brother Jim and Sister Victoria, Lord God, for the work that you're doing in their lives, Lord God. I pray for JD and, and Kavya, Lord God. If they're on, Lord God, I just pray that you do such a work with them, Lord God. Lord, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call out every name that I see here, Lord God. I'm, I'm I lift up Sister Levelin from um, one of my friends from all the way back in college years back. That you'll do a work with her, her husband Dean, and our two kids, Lord God. That you do such a work in them, Lord God. And I'm gonna lift up Sister. Uh, I can't see the names for those that are dialed in, but I'll go ahead and call out the ones that I can see names for. I, I lift up Marina George, Remington Miller, Levelin, my wife Bobna, Celia, Heather. Uh, Pastor Joan, Angela Z, Mario Robinson, um, Auntie Marilyn, Sister Odessa, Bridget Hill, Dominique, uh, Lisa Carney. So good to see you here. Thank you so much for joining. Sister Sadehi, Sister Yvette, Sister Renee, uh, Auntie Terry, Regina, iPad, someone's name on the screen is iPad, Sister uh, Pastor Apostle Danielle. Uh, um, I see so, 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 so many of you here. Regina Patterson, Teresa Calderon, Jim Eagleson, Dr. Jim Correa, Tony Sanchez, Bill Sullivan, Tercet, Carol, Karen, Margaret, Jeannie, Penelope, Steph, Dr. Stephanie, Sister Sherry, Lucy, Sienna, Rosie, Gia, Yvonne, Mary, Jasmine, and Sister Kwama. So many of you on the line tonight. And Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that you just meet every... Uh, uh, every request lord god even the ones that are silent here tonight lord god that you will answer every prayer lord god and lord i just pray that every saint on this line will be so encouraged and will be so restored lord god that you'll do such a work in their lives in jesus mighty and glorious name amen and sister marina i see your request prayers for your family we pray for your family your mom your brother your brother your entire family and you are such a family that, are, that is so set aside for god's purposes and you will fulfill God's will in your lives. We pray for wisdom, divine protection, in Jesus' glorious name. Amen and amen. And saints of God, amen. I'm going to go ahead and close. Amen. And saints of God, as I close here, is um, um, I, I don't have the links, but I do have uh, anyone from the Breath of the Spirit that does have the link. Uh, for those of you that are looking for a place to 
to, to sow into works of hesed, into works of loving kindness around the world. I can think of no better place to sow to than to, than to Dr. Krell's works around the world. I mean, with the thousands of orphans that we're taking care of on a daily basis around the world. And then that, that's, that, that's, that, that's where my tithes go. So um, if someone could post that link so everyone can, can have it, I don't have it on me, but if anyone does have it, I do ask you to post it in the chat. And um, so I apologize for not having that ready sooner, but I just wanted to share that with you. And again, I wanna thank you all for joining. I pray that each and every one of you has been blessed tonight. And again, I wanna thank you all for joining. Um, if you're not on mute, I mean, if you're muted, please take yourself on mute. I'd love to hear all your voices and um, turn on your videos if you can. And uh, I just would love to see you all and I'll let you say good night to you all. Amen. 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 Good night. Thank you, Pastor Sanjay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Most, most welcome. Thank God bless you. Thank you. You're most welcome. Most welcome. Pastor Sanjay. God bless you. Thank you. Hey, Pastor Sanjay, thank you and have a God, God bless you, man. Thank you for the great word. Oh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Brother Tony. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you next time, too. Thank you. We, we still got to get together for dinner. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we should probably all do it together and we'll do a tour together, too. <laughs> we'll do, we'll, no, I'm really, we'll, we'll definitely do that. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I should be back on my feet in the next couple of weeks. Thank you. Yeah. Bless you all. And good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. God bless. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.